it! Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, your host as ever for the Manchester United away preview episode. Joining me for this one is the Lutonian journalist James Cunliffe and town fan Dan Barrett-Davis. Gents, I trust you both well? Yeah, flying after Sunday. Yeah, looking forward to this one. Living the dream. Okay then, uh, yes, Old Trafford. We spoke a couple of weeks ago about Villa Park and it's iconic levels of um, stadium. I don't think there is more iconic than Old Trafford is there. I mean, they call it a theatre of dreams. Not been much dreaming going on this season, it has to be said. But it's more um, of a nightmare for them, really. <laughs> Fairness. But, I mean, you know, when you're promoted to the Premier League, Luton and we... The, I mean, I joked last week, didn't I, that the only Merseyside football we could dream of 10 years ago was Southport. Well, <laughs> the only Manchester football 10 years ago were Hyde United and it's... It's just a bit different, isn't it? It is, but I grew up in the 90s um, in Luton where most of my school were gloriantly Man United fans. Yeah, so they, man, they caused me and my entire 90s no end of upset and I'm looking forward to this possibly reversing the tables. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, isn't it? I mean, obviously, we've just played Liverpool, Dan, yep. huge club. Yep. But in terms of size, if not in terms of... Um, historical achievements certainly recently they are probably the biggest club in the world in terms of everything about them yeah top to bottom the club is huge you say Manchester United everybody knows who you're talking about it doesn't matter what part of the planet you're on everybody knows who they are everybody knows a bit about their history whether you grow up watching the likes of Cantona Beckham Mark Hughes go back to Bobby Charlton um, Georgie Best, etc., the Busby Babes, and that, or whether you you go back like go ten years ago with uh, Ray Ferdinand, um, Vidic, and etc. Gigs, you know, the, everybody knows who Manchester United are. They're a huge club, the biggest club in the world, and they've won a lot of trophies. Like James said, you know, they they won bloody everything when growing up and. I'll be honest, you couldn't really help admire that and you can learn a thing or two off people like Sir Alex Ferguson with a huge amount of jealousy that we can't match that. <laughs> but here we are now, going head-to-head with the biggest club in the world. I have to say, I had a massive flash of Ron Manager from the far show then when you were reeling off Manchester players like, mm, gigs, isn't it? Football? Mm, jumpers will go first. Gigsy, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed, yeah. Um <laughs> That wasn't the intention, I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I don't remember it. Unlike Liverpool last week, most recent meeting with Manchester United, a lot more recent, the Carabao Cup game during the COVID season, which was 1-0 for large parts. And then they brought Rashford on to score two late goals, didn't they? Made it 3-0. Um, but we weren't disgraced then. And I would wager that Man United side better than the current one, or performed better than the current one. And we're definitely better than the Luton version that night. So... Does that bring it all together? I think so. They were in finer fettle than they were back then, and, and they didn't have 
10,000 uh, Luton fans shouting at them. So, um, uh, well, well it won't just, be 10,000 at Old Trafford, will it? But it should be because the ground's bloody big enough. But We'll make enough noise yeah. for 10,000. Don't worry about that. Um, I'm sure Tony was there trying to get, trying to put his template across to us. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think um, the, the, the time is nigh for Luton to go up there and cause a bit of an upset. And um, is that is that in itself a concern though? I, as in, people are actually talking that. Do you know what? I can see Luton getting an upset. I put Old Trafford. Whereas six weeks ago, you'd be like, "Don't be so fucking stupid," you know. But now, because of the way Man United have started the season, because of this narrative about them being in crisis, crisis here, I do. <laughs> and we're because Luton are improving. Is it a dangerous thing to think? Oh, we can actually get an upset there. Or are we better off thinking we have got no chance and? Seeing, you know, just hoping that we deliver something on the day. No, I don't think you should shy away from being positive about it. I mean, you know, to put it in context, their crisis is just the fact that they've lost eight of the first 15 games of the season. Uh, or was it 16 now? Um, and they almost drew at the weekend, but for a very last minute uh, winner by Fernandez. <clears throat> I mean, you'd, you'd take that as a crisis, wouldn't you? But... Um, yeah, it's, I understand it's Manchester United and they feel like they should be winning everything even though they don't win anything anymore. Um, you know, but if they're that inconsistent at the moment and you're going up there, I think why not? I think Luton in the Championship dispensed with many a manager because there was teams in the Championship that thought they shouldn't be losing to teams like Luton. And um, There's you know, a phrase we keep here. <laughs> I, I'd wager... <laughs> If something happens up there and there is a shock, that's the end of Ten Hag. Before we get smashed to pieces in the comments, if you're watching this podcast for the first time, James's memory is shite. <laughs> it's a regular thing, and we know you won the Carabao Cup last season. Um, they haven't started the season well, though, have they? No. I mean, it's not crisis. That word is absolute bollocks. But they, they're not playing good football. And if, as a neutral or as a Luton fan, it's hard to judge them because whenever you watch them on television... It's Man United TV on Sky, isn't it? It's Gary Neville, or if they're on BT, it's Rio Ferdinand, who are basically public address announcers for Manchester United. So it's hard to kind of get, in much the same way that anyone who watched the Liverpool game on Sky had Jamie Carragher to put up with for a couple of hours. It's kind of hard to gauge just how bad it is. But when you look at their results, particularly sort of three games stand out, really, the Wolves game right at the start where they were atrocious. And obviously if VAR worked, then... They'd have probably only come out of that with a draw. They've lost at home to Palace, which is a mighty good achievement. And they needed two late Scott McTominay goals, I think they were, to beat Brentford, yeah. all three at Old Trafford. Right. Yeah. Doesn't seem like it's the daunting, all-encompassing <laughs> fortress that it used to be. No, and I, th I think most Manchester United supporters would be well aware of the fact that Old Trafford isn't as daunting a prospect as, like you say, as it once was. Um, I think, you know... With um, football clubs, we talk a lot about transition periods. And I think there's one with Ten Hag. I, th I think they've had a lot of these transition periods since Fergie retired in the last 10 years. And I do mean that, genuinely mean that, because, you know, they, they had it with Mourinho. Uh, I'm not going to reel them all off, but Van Howe, Solskjaer, <laughs> Satcher and whatnot. You're not, but you just have. Well, did I? Was no, that all of them? You missed Moyes. Football A, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Jump us with goalposts. Yeah. Small boys in the park. Yeah. <laughs> one, two, one, two. Poor, poor, poor old David Moyes. We've already come up against him this season. How have you forgotten him so quickly? 
the same reason everyone's forgotten him in a Man United <laughs> uh, spell. Well, he was supposed to have a six-year spell, wasn't he? Um, done all right financially, I think, out of that, as a lot of people have. But no, going back to it, I mean, Tengard's been there, what, a year and a bit? And you sort of think that by now we should be seeing something, what they're trying to do. Can't really see it at the moment. And I don't know whether that's down to buying the wrong type of players or buying players they thought they were getting and haven't quite turned out that way or whether things have just haven't gone the way they they wanted them to. And like you say, you know, they've come up um they've come up short a few times. They've they've relied on late winners, which back in the Fergie era was a pretty dumb thing because he always used to let let other teams have the ball and they they just soak it up and then they just go, right, off off you go, counter attack, last fifteen minutes, win the game. Um and he was a master at that. I'm not really quite sure what Ten Hag's trying to do. Uh, call me naive if you want, don't care. Um, but I don't see a lot in this United side. Some some weeks they look world-class and then other weeks they look absolute dog shit. And the, there isn't really a balance. There isn't really a balance where you sort of think, well, okay, United played well today, probably should have won or whatever. Or, you know, it's either the, the really good or that absolute rubbish. And we can use that to our advantage. Um, you use the term silence, the home fans. I've been at Old Trafford. <laughs> could hear Ferguson chewing from the other side. <laughs> yeah. I'll leave that there. I'm going to get slayed in the comments already. I'll, I know it. Uh, I'll leave Alan Shearer to uh, use the word naive, uh, not me. Um, one thing they do know is how to spunk an awful lot of money on not very much. Um, <laughs> It's basically what I just said without saying it, Kevin. <laughs> well, it's it's true, isn't it? The best part yeah. of ninety million on Anthony. Mm. Yeah, I mean, no goals, no assists, no nothing. Seventy-two million on potential of Hoyland up front again. Yeah. The I Rasmus, think, he's named after a rock band, isn't he? <laughs> nothing. Uh, Sixty million on Mason Mount. Again, yet to produce anything. Fifty million on a goalkeeper who, until the last couple of weeks, can't keep. Again, sixty million on Casemiro, who's pretty past it. I mean, that's three hundred million, and that's only Ooh. half of the side. Mm. It's frightening. I mean, he hasn't really got a leg to stand on if he is sacked after this game, has he? I think as much as we lord Luton for their ability to pick out players um, and and sign them and turn and polish a, a rough diamond, I think that they haven't really got and it's not just me saying this I think this is Gary Neville who said this as well they don't seem to have a cohesive transfer policy that brings in players that work for a particular style of football it's just like oh Casemiro's free we can get him bring him in he play for Real Madrid it's like a it's almost like a Real Madrid Galacticos mindset except obviously not players on the up <laughs> of their career they're yeah. on, they're going the other way um, and it just hasn't it hasn't worked and I think that <clears throat> that's a sort of stark mirror reality of the two teams that are going to face each other, um, that Luton do have a very cohesive uh, transfer policy and you can mock it all you like, but it's working for that club and it's not in the other way for Man United. And these are all little things uh, that cause unrest and they can uh, build up and their start hasn't been great. They've lost more games than they have for 40 no, 50, 60, it was the 60s, isn't it? the early 60s, yeah. they were last this bad at the start of a season. Comparatively speaking, I must admit, and because I wouldn't mind be being the bottom half of the top half of the table. So um, yeah. that would be, that'd be decent. But 
they're all things you can you can play on when you go up there and and cause a bit of uncertainty and you know we've just seen what Luton can do against Liverpool if they can replicate similar because Man United probably will still have a lot of the ball they'll be at home as well if you can do a sim uh, perform similarly and um, hit hit them on the counter at the right times and cause them a lot of problems that way then you know it could set the cat amongst the pigeons yep we're recording this podcast before Man United play in Copenhagen on Wednesday night so we can get this out to you with as much sort of notice as we can so we don't actually know how they've got on in the Champions League but it can't be a bad thing that they're playing on Wednesday night and then playing again on Saturday afternoon it's not something that they're necessarily used to they don't play Saturday three o'clock very often do they? No they don't and to be honest we haven't this season either it's, it's, uh, I mean living in the Midlands it's a pain in the arse having half four kickoffs on a Sunday and then trying to get home in, in time and then up for work and whatnot. It's it's a bit of a it's a bit of a hardship, so God knows how they, they deal with it with a couple of days' rest and a couple of days of playing football to prepare for another game of football. Especially mm. if you go with the old adage that you will have to travel from Surrey. And, and, I <laughs> Does any of them want to lift on the way up? <laughs> and I knew I forgot my violin for um, some reason. Um, Crimea River. Absolutely. Some of it. Yeah, I mean, it, it, if they want to know what a crisis is, have, have a look at the um, Trouble at the Top documentary, uh, just for a start. Yep. Yeah, and then that's before you even get lobbed out the league for not for doing stuff that wasn't. Yeah. And Tony's uh, still up for it back then. Did yep. w- wonderful moustache though. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, yeah, no. lovely touch. <laughs> Nothing changes. Sound like Mike Bassett. <laughs> Last week, James, we struggled to pick just three opposition players who could cause a threat. This week, we're struggling to pick three who can cause us a threat. Uh, yeah. Some of that is because of the rot- regular rotation that. Ten Hag seems to be going through, which I guess is a sign that he's not happy with how his team are going. But one man who's a permanent fixture in this side is their captain, who comes under for an awful lot of criticism from former Man United players for his captaincy, and that's Bruno Fernandes. I think it was Roy Keane after the Manchester derby said he shouldn't be captain, shouldn't be anywhere near the captaincy and everything like that. But actually, when you look at his numbers, forget his captaincy or anything like that. I think he's played 200 appearances again prior to the Champions League game in Copenhagen. 122 goal involvements. That's better than one every other game. I mean, you know, 67 goals, 55 assists. That's a footballer in, in anyone's language, that. Yeah, he's a real threat. His quality, uh, when he's got the ball at his feet, I think Roy Keane just can't stand his um, wailing and play acting and think, petulance. Yeah. And it isn't really captain material that we know of anything to do with captains. Um, you wouldn't stick him up, side, up against Kevin Nichols and go, right, Bruno's the man for the job, would you? It's not the it's not the same thing, but no. um, it, it, undoubted quality. Um, you know, he's a main player for Portugal as well in the national setup. Um, so he is one player that you've got to stop. But um, because of that petulance, really, there's something you can really do there to wind him up. I think. And Hello, it, Tom. Yeah, and it, it, it. I mean, you don't. It doesn't even have to be shit house, really. That we do like it. <laughs> It just could be as much as Liverpool, uh, Luton, sorry. Well, Liverpool or one. <laughs> Liverpool as well, yeah. Luton just really frustrating them by doing what they did against Liverpool. Yeah. Apparently we're wrestlers. Wrestlers? Yeah. yeah. Well, that's uh, Mr. Klopp's interpretation of it. So can all, though. All of these mm. ones that kind of question Fernandez's captaincy. They never say who should be, though, do they? It's like, oh, we shouldn't be captain. Well, someone's got to be. I think the only one that can 
running close is Rashford because he's Manchester United through and through, isn't he? Yeah, but, but then, but even then, I wouldn't have said he's a leader as such. He's an ambassador for a lot of things off outside of football, and he's a fantastic player. But I don't think he's quite captain material. Well, let's come on such. to Marcus Rashford. We're assuming that Marcus Rashford's going to play, but obviously fallen out of favour after he lodged it up on his birthday after the um, Manchester derby the other week. I mean, let's be fair, if anyone's entitled to a night out, it's the bloke who's basically run the country for the last three years, isn't it? And, um, <laughs> Very yeah. true. Uh, and that's pretty much what he's done, you know. Hopefully he's got no goals in him at the weekend. I think his stats this season are really, really bad for um, someone who's good. But yeah, he played for England the other week and he looked really, really good, didn't he, against Italy? So... Let's hope we get the struggling Man United version rather than the good England version. Yeah, for our purposes, definitely. Um, Manchester United fans watching this will think different, and rightly so, because he's their player. Um, but yeah, Rash- Rashford is he, he's one of them players, and he? he's, he's, his quality is quick. He can run at people, he can cause problems. And that's why we picked him out as one of their three main threats, because... Let's face it, he is. He's, he's, you know, he's, he's not a bad player. I, I nearly said best of a bad bunch, but he really isn't. He's just he's just head and shoulders above most, if not all, the Manchester United players. And of course, it was him that scored those two goals in that Carabao Cup game down mm. here a few seasons ago. So uh, he kind of has previous against us, but he's going to be out against Kabore. He's just had to assume he plays on that left wing, which that's generally where he operates from. Kabore's just had his best game in the Luton shirt, so hopefully if the Rashford threat is there, he can nullify it as much as possible. Yeah, well, that's the hope, isn't it? Now that um, Kabore's put in that performance against Liverpool and set that bar so high, then um, if you can do that against Liverpool's players that probably are consistently better than Man United at the moment, then you've got half a chance. I think um, he is a talent, Rashford, uh, and obviously he's... Uh, his work off the field is uh, you know, absolutely exactly. I don't like crediting Manchester United players at all, but what he done <laughs> there is um, a damn sight better than all the gobshites in 10 Downing Street have done for the last 13 years. Um, so big up to Rashford for you know putting food in kids' bellies. Um, it's, that's a proper fella, that is. But um, on the pitch with the ball, he's got um, obviously a lovely turn of pace, good shot can dip his shoulder a nice little uh, step over can get you away and, and create that space so it's a has got to watch that um but you know you've got to give him credit for what he did against liverpool and think that if the if rashford's not getting the service or the, they're not playing to his strengths that he can he can keep him he can keep tabs on him yeah indeed uh as i say you know just looking at this man united side it is Difficult to pick out a third threat from statistics. I mean, we must hasten to add that Luton and Man United have played an awful lot to get at the same time this season. So Luton fans aren't naturally going to see every Man United game. But from statistics, it's probably Scott McTominay who's the the other danger. I mean, he scored those goals against Brentford, didn't he, to turn that game on its head. Yeah. Scored an awful lot of goals for Scotland in the last 12 months or whatever as well. So in a team that might not have as many out-and-out threats as they once did he's one that we'd have to just make sure we know where he is at all times yeah I mean the the, the old jokes used to get made when Fred was there like the McFred mid, mid, midfield sort of thing and sort of uh, it's probably a mockery because like United fans would have been used to the likes of Keane Skulls and all them types of players uh, in years gone by um, and he probably isn't as good as what those guys were in their heyday 
Um, but he's, no he's doubt. Yeah. There's not well, there much doubt, is there? But he's, 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 you know, yeah, he's Scotland's main outlet, main threat. And no disrespect to Scotland at all. They're going all right at the moment. No, well, Scotland, yeah, yeah, I mean, he's it's, it's, it's doing well and he's a huge part of that. And, you know, for, for all the faults that Manchester United have, he really is one of the positive ones. And I think he's one of those that gets it what what Manchester United is and all about. And he works hard, you know. He, he's not going to be the most gifted midfielder in the world, but he makes up with it with heart and passion and desire. And you need that in a football club. It doesn't matter who you are. You can have all the billions of pounds in the bank, throw it at whatever players, but unless you've got an, a core of people like, like your Rashfords and McTominis, you've got nothing. So what you're talking about there, though, is players that have come up and they've lived and breathed. Yeah, Man United in, a bit like Mengi they, did. Yeah, up until recently, um, they they bleed red, white, and black, don't they? So oh, yeah. Where there's the other other players that have come in and don't quite get it. it they don't. It, yeah, the, I, th- I think a lot of a lot of players in the past would go, well, yeah, all right, I'm a top player. I should be at a top club. Oh, Manchester United are interested. I'll just go there and and whatnot. You know, and you, you can have all the world class players in the, in a team. And I remember this from Real Madrid when they had Zidane, Figo, Beckham, Roberto Carlos, Ronaldo, etc., etc., and they went bugger all because they chopped and changed the manager about five times in the first couple of years, and it was all a bit out of the window. And it's, it's a similar thing with Manchester United. There, I wouldn't say they've got players like Figo and Zidane for cross sake, <laughs> but they, they're signing players that are supposedly world class that we haven't seen from it. And I don't know whether that's down to Ten Hag not being able to get the best out of them or whether they've chopped and changed or I think a lot of it is to do what's going on off the field because there's this huge takeover that hasn't happened that's supposed to happen and whether the Americans are going to sell up or not and there's all sorts of problems going on off the field the old traffic falling apart etc. Um, so there's players that are coming in and not quite getting it and people like McTominay are, are sort of the glue that holds it together if you like that you're all right, I'm not the best player in the world, but I play with a lot more heart than any of you fucking lot. So let me do my thing. And and he does, and he's showing them up. He did against Brentford. He came on, scored two late goals. And he often does pop up with a goal here and there when Manchester United most need it. You're convincing me that we might have a chance here. Um, <laughs> that is for sure. It would be interesting what the boys think for their score predictions at the end of this podcast, as always. Uh, just God, to go back to Bruno Fernandes... <laughs> Fernandez has already done us a touch, hasn't he, with that winner against Burnley. Absolute corking volley uh, in the bottom corner. Mm-hmm. So um, hopefully that's the end of uh, him helping us um, for the time being. That's it for Man United. Uh, we've given them the respect that they do deserve for everything that they've achieved historically. This is all about Luton, though. Any team changes for Saturday, do you see any team changes? Again, we're recording this podcast before Rob does his press uh, pre-match press conference on Friday. I'm guessing the questions will be around Chio or Benny and his hamstring. Mm. We're hoping that he's okay. If we go on the assumption that he is okay, are you seeing any team changes? It's, it's a tough one for Rob in this occasion because uh, ordinarily you'd say no, but... Chong was good when he came on. He scored the goal, obviously, but mm. he had that a bit of pace. And in the way that Luton were playing, which was on the counter and trying to burst out, he had that with him. And he he seems to have a sort of hunger in his belly as well. He looked like it. Fueled yeah. by being released by them as well? 
Um, yeah, I mean, potentially. I mean, I did um, ask him uh, when I spoke to him after the Liverpool game, and he was very magnanimous about it and not giving very too media much trained, wasn't it? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, and it was it, it was a good chat actually, but um, I just sort of a cheeky little question about are you looking forward to it more because it's 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 Man United, and that's where you came up, and oh, you know, obviously you've got a lot of respect for him, but um, there's you can't tell me that any player that um, has been released and had to go drop down a league to come and then to come back and then finds themselves on the same pitch as the team that they've uh, come up through the ranks. You, you, you can't tell me they haven't got extra motivation and, and they want to, they want to do something there. It was, it was the same question about um, Barkley, albeit he doesn't play for Liverpool, but it, they, as an Evertonian arch enemies, does he have extra motivation? And obviously the, the answer came back, if you're not motivated, motivated for these games, then um, what's wrong with you? Sort of, I'm paraphrasing. Rob Edwards didn't say that at all. He put it much better. But um, it, it's got to be a factor. And I think you know the, the 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 way he's done in cameo performances, Chong, in the last couple of games is similar to what Barkley was doing in, and Andros Towson was doing in cameo performances, coming off the bench and then to get a start. And I think if you have if you're being consistent, then there's a good shout for him to get in. Now, where he comes in is a different yeah, matter, isn't it? That was going to be the next question, wasn't it? Yeah. We'd, as much as we'd like to play 12 in this game. Yeah, I mean... Um, Normally at Old Trafford, you'd be asking for that as well. Yeah, I think I, I think the the simple answer, now I've given you that long, that long spiel, is that no, the team stays the same. I hope you enjoyed that five minutes <laughs> of the podcast. And that is uh, for sure. What about you, Dandy? See any team changes? No. There you go. Next one. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> I think um, on on Chong that you're saying there as well. Um, normally, like you said, with Townsend and Barkley, they're, they're working their way towards the ninety minutes and ultimately going to start. I think the reason for for those guys coming and starting is like we said in the Liverpool um, review was their experience. And Chong doesn't. With greatest respects to Chong, you know, he, he doesn't really have that experience yet. And I feel like for now, he's best served coming off. The bench for the last twenty. I think that's an interesting point, actually. Yeah. And I, I'd, I'd go with that. Actually, that's probably. I, th- I think that'll be Rob's thinking, um, yeah. and and it, it's nothing against John because I always believe if you come off the bench and score a goal, you've more or less deserved to start. But then you go back to the old Solskjaer argument where he spent twelve years on the bench at United, coming on for twenty minutes and coming up with a winner here and there, um, and. I don't think Chong will earn the super sub thing. I do think in time he will earn a place in the starting eleven. But I think for now you've got to sort of use him and use him wisely because I've seen him start games and not really have an effect. Whereas if he's on for half an hour or 20 minutes at the end, he seems to have more of an effect and he seems a bit more hungry and thinking, right, I need to earn a start. And when he does eventually start, I'd like to see him play with that same hunger. I don't really see it as such. And it's not a criticism, it's more constructive than anything. I don't think it's a weakness he's got. I think it's just learning and the experience. Like we said before about championship players stepping up to the Premier League, he's still really doing that. He's one of those that's still doing that. So barring any injuries, I don't expect a single change at all. Yeah, we... You sold me on that, to be fair. I think that's a good point. As I say, we are... It's obvious to me. We are unaware of... um, Chio's availability at the time of recording yeah. but I mean if he's the, fit the, he starts the vibes are that uh, it wasn't too bad against Liverpool and they took him off at the right time as they so often do when they yeah. see players with injuries so well they look after them don't they 
we've got the players to do that. So we sort of, you know, we we've got the players to do. If somebody needs to come off, we've got we've got a light for like nine times out of ten, we've got a light for light and come in and just fill the gap. Yep, it's mad actually that he he played so well, Carlton. Great performance as well, and you, you wouldn't normally take these players off in seasons no. gone by, would you? But and when they've come off, it's not. I'm not worried about it. I'm like, well, the players that are coming on, they got something to prove as well. Yeah, I think it's good. Squad depth, my lucky. Yeah, yeah. I used to say in the last couple of years in the championship, I, I, I said it a few times to you guys. You know, I don't care what the eleven is or what the squad is. Whoever comes on is going to give 100. percent And all right, we're, we're a different level, and the expectations aren't quite as high now. Um, but people are still coming in and doing the job and getting to that point again. Whereas at the start of the season, there was a couple of players I thought, oh, maybe they need a little bit more working with to get them up to speed. And you've got players that needed fitness and stuff. But we're starting to see a team now that sort of looks after itself a little bit. Doesn't matter who comes in, they'll just do a job. And that's all we ask. So we've picked out three Man United threats, mm-hmm. potential threats. Um, from the game, how do we hurt Man United? Usually, you'd say give the ball to Chio and go, but I think it's fair to say Aaron Wan-Bissaka is probably one of the best one-on-one right backs in the league. That's not to say he'll match him for pace, but he's smart enough to know where and when and how to kind of handle him. So maybe we need to target elsewhere on the pitch. Switching the other side and go Amrabat. Well, it'd well, yeah. be Dalu the other side, wouldn't it? Would it be Dalu? I don't know. Yeah, he, he was even said that though. You still, well, you you go, still give him a go, yeah, and go yeah. run at him and see what happens. Yeah, and if he hits a brick wall, then you. And if well, if not, so, uh, so much of he did it to Luke, Trent, though. You know, yeah, exactly. Yeah, Trent, Trent, Trent's not a mug. He's not a right back, but he's not a mug. He's, he's no. more of an. He's better attacker than he is going yeah. for, uh, going back, and he gets away with it yeah. because of how they. This way is the other way around. Isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. is better at the back than going forward. Yeah, but I mean, so much of what Luton do well come down the left and that's not just Chio, that's Doughty as well so it is a major strength um, you'd expect people to target that and say that is where they're going to that's their outball and that's where they're going to hurt us um, but it's one thing saying it and then you have to stop it and you know if he's playing his, if his hamstrings are fine and he's absolutely flying you've just got to give him the ball and get him to do some damage it's like Old school, um, you know, John Barnes when he was playing for Liverpool, just giving the ball and seeing mm. what we can do. I, I guess the positive is that at Old Trafford, he's not going to be short of space to go past Wan Bissaka, is he? Huge pitch, you know, push it past him and uh, let's see what you've got, sort of thing. Where Luton can hurt Man United, though, and I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this, is right through the middle of the pitch. There's no Casemiro for this game, he's been ruled out for at least a month, so unless they're telling Porky's. He won't be playing. Mm. So the two holding midfielders, or if they play two holding midfielders, they usually do. It's going to be McTominay and Christian Eriksen. Fair play to Christian Eriksen for still being on a football pitch mm. after what happened to him. Still being around at all. Yeah, absolutely. You wouldn't know that he went through that as well. It was horrible. Full, horrible works, isn't it? Full yeah. credit to him, but I don't think he's the man to stop Ross Barkley and his marauding runs like the one we saw that set up the goal. Uh, against well, he's a ten. On. He's a ten more, isn't he? Creative. I think. Field, I think so. Yeah, but I'm not sure they use him like that. No, he's a holding no, midfielder because that's all they've. That's all they've got left. Yeah, isn't it? I mean, last season they had that Sabitzer on loan, didn't they? But he's at Dortmund now. Um, you think back to the games that I referenced earlier, the Wolves game in particular. Every single time Cunha picked up the ball in the middle of the park, 
there was oceans of space for him to run into. Mm. And he went and he went and they just couldn't put the ball in the back of the net, could they? If Barkley gets the ball in those positions and goes, he's going to be at Maguire if Maguire plays. And I listen, I'm no physio, but how the hell he finished the Fulham game is beyond me. Uh, and then whoever it is alongside him, I mean, Lindelof, Johnny Evans, whoever it is, yeah. Barkley's going to get into the kind of areas where Carlton Morris will be like, oh, hello, yeah. we're, we're in here. Yeah, exactly. And um, that's a very good point you make, actually, about exposing them through the middle. Um, years gone by, it didn't happen. Mm. You know, And it wouldn't happen just if didn't, Casemiro Roy was... Keane would just end your career. I'd be very unapologetic about it. Yeah. <laughs> but it wouldn't happen if Casemiro was there. No, so it wouldn't. That injury is in, is is really big in com- in comparison with the fact that our best player literally is where Casemiro just vacated the yeah. I mean, if, the spot. If you're talking key three players, you know, we, like you said earlier, we kind of struggled. Um, obviously, with Casemiro being out injured, that rules him out of that equation. So and takes his set piece threat away because he often gets on the end of set piece as well. Yeah, and he he's not a mug either. And like you say, he's played for Real Madrid. He's he's won. Everything. Oh, he's a Brazil international, isn't he? Of yeah, however many caps. Yeah, he's, cra- he's top class talent. I don't. Yeah, I don't he think is. he's world class talent anymore. No, he's top he was. class. Yeah, top yeah. class. Though. Yeah, yeah. I think so. He's the kind of. The, Next tier down, yeah. Yeah, it's just sliding down the ladder a little mm. bit, yeah. <laughs> but it's where we can hurt them. No, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, we saw it against Liverpool. You know, Townsend and Barkley worked together really well and you, you've still got Marvellous sort of holding on, holding on to the shop in front, sort of behind them, sat in that little hole there. Um, and that should counter any threat, any threat they may pose through the middle, whether they do or not. I think they're more of a wide attacking... I think they sort of use the inside forwards a bit more then they go through the middle because I don't think they've got the pace to go through. I mean, Tommy's got a habit of sliding into those gaps like we spoke about earlier when he pops in with late winners. But in terms of us attacking, Barkley and Townsend working really well together, like we've said about it, their experience and their know-how and the quality that the, those guys possess. And I'm pretty sure they've they've played at Old Trafford a number of times and they sort of know how to sort of get at them and sort of cause problems. And I think they'll do that. And, you know, we, we could see a similar score to what we saw at Kenilworth Road the other night. Is that important? Dare I suggest that? Um, <laughs> well, we'll get to that in a minute. Is that important though? Barkley, Townsend, Mengi, Chong—they've—they know Old Trafford. It's not going to be daunting to them. They've played there, God knows how many times. They know what to expect and everything. So the fact that we go in there with four players who will be comfortable if Chong starts, or even if he doesn't start, he'll still be comfortable. Is that—is that big for us? course that's why you add experience to your team isn't it and that's why the Premier League experience that we saw against Liverpool from from Townsend and Barkley in particular was what made us purr so much about that performance and um, yeah it's it, it could be an intimidating atmosphere I don't think it is at the moment but that's not to say that it couldn't turn that way if if they get their tails up slightly um, but it so works you, the other way, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, absolutely. did you see that Newcastle tweet halfway through the Carabao Cup game that the attendance is 72, that bloody bloody blah, or at least it was, it's not now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's the that's the sort of um, place that Manchester United are at the moment. Um, their fans expect everything. And if you if they don't get everything, if they don't get Luton take the lead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is the ultimate teams like Luton match, I mm. think, uh, because 
Oh, you have so many of these, what are they called? Social media influencers. They're all from Man United, aren't they? Because yeah. they're all, they're all like, Jesse Lingard's like, a there are one. so many pillocks doing it for Man United. I would love it. Love it. I'm not Kevin All right, Keegan, Kevin Keegan. But I would seriously love it if we took the lead just to see their... Re- even if, even now if you've they, said that, we've absolutely come bottled back, it. Even if they come back and get something from the game, I'd love to see the reaction of these idiots. Well, yeah, I mean, they'll all be out in force this week as well, saying that, oh, we should batter these yeah. lot at Luton because be another they're another 3 nothing. 5 I mean, even if they've won 5-0, they've lost in their eyes, haven't they? Yeah, I mean, they, they think that they should They've absolutely turn Luton yeah. over. And no team so far has. It's been very tight. I mean, you could say that Aston Villa was the the, the, the most that happened in that regard and, and fair play to them. They were the best team. They're the best team I've seen as players. Best team on the day, yeah. <clears throat> and and this season, in fact. But um, I, I, I don't see this Luton team rolling over like Sheffield United did. I, I really don't because... And we talked about in the last podcast, goal difference could be so key. Right mm. now, goal difference is why we're out of the top three because of that late Liverpool goal. And it's not close. Goal no, difference. no, no, no. There's a. am not saying that we can afford to lose 5-0, but we could and we'd still be okay on goal difference. Yeah, but it's, there, is a right, there is a right gap in that goal difference. It is a point. It's not... Yeah, it's worth... You know, it's, it's, not, worth it's, extra, not, it's worth extra points. It's, they're always worth an extra point. It's survival stuff, that. And um, I think that Luton know that and it's, it's I, I think it's not in their DNA and their makeup to, to roll over anyway. Uh, but I think there's extra significance. There, there would have been told that um, you've got to go right to it. And it's what we've seen. Luton, Luton go right to the end of the games, but it could be so valuable to, to Luton at the end of it. Yeah, really could. Uh, that time then. Score predictions, as we always finish the podcast with score predictions, as you weren't around for the last preview, Dan. No. What do Luton get from a trip to Old Trafford? A first league trip in over 30 years. First trip of any kind in over 30 years. No idea. Well, we're glad we invited you on. We know that you've got no idea, but what about score predictions? I've no idea of anything, really. That's probably true. Um... I don't know. I, I keep thinking in my head that they'll they'll find a way and get the three points off of us. And realistically, you have to say that's a possibility. Um, I don't think you know. I, I, I do think the first half is going to be really, really key for us. Um, in many ways, like it's been in previous weeks. You know, Villa over at um, the Liverpool game, Tottenham. Uh, we spoke. We've spoke a lot about that. He's doing his best to put this off. Isn't he? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you want me to just say a quick score and then just move on? Oh, you just want to go home? Uh, I'll just make this last out now. Um, one all. James. One nil. One nil. Luton. I think. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I, I, I fancy it. Just like, I really do fancy this. Like I owe you a beer if that happens. Imagine the first clean oh. sheet of the season coming at Old Trafford. Could, uh, just just to to beat them in any score, I mean, would be great. But uh, a 1-0 a clean sheet, Meng- classic 1-0. Mengi keeps a clean sheet oh, on his return to Old Trafford. You'd absolutely love to see it. Imagine you? if he scores uh, the goal, though. If any of those things come true, just... Imagine drinking in the tears of Man United fans all week long because of that. That's that's what this is what you go up to these big games for, isn't it? The hope of that. I do think that if everything's on, if 
if everything goes right for them, they'll beat Luton. Yeah. But as with Liverpool, if they're not at their game, if they make some mistakes, if they fluff a couple of chances, things don't go right, go their way. The crowd gets on their back a little bit. Luton going to be in there. And I think as we edge closer to Christmas, Garth, Garth Crooks is going to have to start buttering his bread and preparing to eat those words. Well, he was a pillock at the start of uh, anyway, wasn't he? He always has been. I want his contact details. I, <laughs> I want really, to send him a Christmas card. I really think, I really do think Luton can get something out of this game. Yeah, yeah big time. I, What's your prediction, um, Kev? I, we've won on our, our only away game this, although like, the only game we've won this season has been 2-1. That's the score that I can see here. Uh, I can see that landing on Saturday afternoon. Uh, I don't know if we're going to take the lead or if we're going to do what we do and come good in the second part of the game. But whatever happens, yeah, I can see Luton going there with nothing at all to lose and plenty and plenty and plenty to gain. And uh, It's kind of a free hit without it being a free hit. In a don't way. tell Rob, he doesn't like that word. Um, I know you don't either, that's why I said it. <laughs> <laughs> it. Yeah, it's not now though, is it? No, it's, it's not that? a free hit because every game that we can get away from these bottom three, it's, and this is, you know, this is one of them. Arsenal play Burnley on Saturday. Could easily get three points away from them. I've not checked all of the other fixtures uh, just yet, but I know that that one's one of them. 2-1 Luton and um, yeah, I cannot wait. Listen, Chong and Mendy score. That would be absolutely, absolutely <laughs> lovely. Um <laughs> Obviously, it's sold out in the Luton End. Could have been sold out 10 times over this one in the Luton End. If you managed to get a ticket for Old Trafford, be loud, be proud. Obviously, we've got plenty of home fans to outsing on um, Saturday. We will do our very best in the crowd, that is for sure. The boys will do absolutely everything that they can on the pitch, and it promises to be one of those cracking away days, um, that is for sure. That's it for this episode of the podcast. My thanks to James and Dan for joining me, to you for watching or listening, however you've consumed this podcast. Of course, to the Hightown Club for hosting this podcast, to Sean Grant and the Wolf Gang for all of the intro music that you heard at the beginning of the podcast, and to Ed Smith Creative for all of the designs and every video that you see that's not of us three, Liam Smith has filmed that for us and we regularly forget to thank him. So thanks very much for doing that for us, Liam. Until next time, which will be the Manchester United Review Podcast, which is back to being out on a Monday uh, next week. Thank you very much for watching or listening and very, very much. Come on, you atters. Actually, you, everyone in it has got this massive soul. We're looking people.